0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Authorised Podcast with thanks to CSCG. My name is Kevin Hillier and today you're going to meet an author, a first-time author once again. And the book is called Why Smart Women Make Bad Decisions. So don't make a bad decision about uh, what you do with your financial situation. Make a very very well-informed decision about talking to the people at CSCG. And they're great people. They really are terrific people to deal with. They'll look after you. They'll make sure that uh, you know exactly what's going on every step of the way, which whatever part of their business uh, you decide to uh, to talk to them about. It might be taxation, might be superannuation, might be lending. They've got it all covered, experts in all the fields. And, of course, uh, they're only a phone call away. And very simple to pick up the phone. 03 Double nine seven four eight triple three, or jump on the website and find out more about them and more about their services, cscg.com.au. That'll be a very smart decision. Now, why smart women make bad decisions? Let's find out uh, from the lady who wrote the book, actor, director, corporate communications consultant and now author, Annie McCubbin. Thank you for joining me on the Authorised Podcast and congratulations on having your book published.
1: Thank you very much. Very pleased about that. It's my first book, so I was pretty thrilled.
0: <laughs> it, it's a big thing, isn't it, when you actually get your hands on a physical copy of your book?
1: Yes. The, the, the morning that it happened, we were sort of, my dog and my daughter and I were standing at the top of the driveway waiting for it to arrive, and then the <laughs> box arrived, and we ran down the driveway and ripped it open. It's, it's so different from looking at it on a computer when you've actually got it in your hand, and it feels like a book. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: amazing. It's it, it sort of Pinocchio becomes the real boy. It's one of those, it's true. Uh, like those moments. It's true. Absolutely. Um, a, how long did it take you to put the book together? And I guess the, the, sh- the, the short answer to that is a lifetime, but to uh, uh, yes. sort of go to woe in terms of putting it together and writing it, how long did that take?
1: About five years. Oh, wow. It took me. I mean, I work as well, so it's not like I was in an attic. <laughs> you know, wandering downstairs and getting tea and looking out into a snowy forest. I was in Sydney <laughs> and um, still working, so I had to fit it in and I just fitted it in wherever I was. I thought, oh, that's an idea. Someone would say something and I'd go, oh, yeah, that's good. I'll, I'll include that. That's something that Kat would say. Yeah. And then I'd grab my computer and off I'd go.
0: So it's it's almost a work in progress while you're doing all your other work, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it, well, it is a work in progress, and it's it certainly you. It, you're. you're I, I plundered the lives of my friends yeah. and my clients. Definitely, I had to apologise to people because everyone's names are in it, and certainly things that happened. There's a towards the end of the book, um, the horrible narcissist fills up a bride at her wedding, yeah, and then denies it, and that actually happened to me at my wedding. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? Someone actually stuck their hand up my dress at my own wedding, which stuck in my mind for weeks, <laughs> as you can imagine. So I was really happy when I could actually include that in the narrative. Yeah.
0: Oh, good. <laughs> a bit of revenge.
1: <laughs> yes, a, it, yes, exactly. I don't a, think he'll ever read it, but anyway. Yeah,
0: there's there's an emotion that we can all <laughs> all associate <laughs> with yep, perfectly.
1: 100%.
0: Why smart women make bad decisions. Well, the tell me, tell me about the title and, and developing that as, the, as sort of your, your framework for how you put the book together.
1: So I actually wanted to call the book um, Bad Things Don't Come in Trees.
2: Yeah,
1: Um, because that's another one of my favorite statements that don't make any sense. Um, But when I was talking, and it was sort of bad things don't come in threes, and then the subtitle was why smart women make bad decisions or how critical thinking to protect them. And she liked the why smart women make bad decisions. And people keep asking me why I've sort of aimed it at women when cognitive flaws, And having buggy brains is, of course, not just the domain of women. Men have it as well. Absolutely. All our brains are flawed, and we all make decisions based on the unconscious part of the brain, which don't end up very well. But the reason I aimed it at women is because I think the main thrust of the spiritual and influencer um, sort of info that we're flooded with is aimed at women. Yeah. So, you know, influences with their DHA, brain fog reducing special, you know, enzymes that you can order online, (laughs) Um, that's, that's aimed at women, right? I don't know many men that are going to be ordering enzymes, facial enzymes. And also the other thing is that the notion of trusting your gut and that the female gut is just incredibly accurate. Um, I think is a bigger and stronger narrative. You don't hear that thing. That's sort of not as aimed at men, is it? The men, the people say to you, just trust your gut, or not so much.
0: Not so much. No, not really. That's right. No, no. Uh, that's right. And that whole that whole thing that was built around women's intuition was that that was the, oh. the that was the the the, the great uh, sort of Zen god of, of 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 what is right about the world.
1: Oh, and it's still out there now. You know, I run. We run my partner and I run the leaders program for um, chief executive women, sort of around Australia and Singapore. Well, we did before we went into lockdown. we kidding, not now.
2: Yeah.
1: So often in the room, I'll have fifty women in the room, all very senior senior executives. That I'll say who trust their gut, and about seventy percent of the room put their hand up. So it's still a narrative, I think, that's out there.
2: Yeah.
1: And I categorically. Disagree with the notion that you can trust your gut across the board. I think it's very, very dangerous.
0: It's it's basically a um, a, a reasoning behind uh, living with the decision that you've made because that gives you a, that gives you a fallback, doesn't
1: it? hundred <laughs> percent. It's just a big fat post-rationalisation. Yeah, though. correct. <laughs> it's, and it's, yeah, exactly, yeah, and just excusing some sort of terrible, terrible behaviour. I think as well, especially women in crappy relationships. You know, and they meet the guy and he's really charming. And as we know, charm, you know, psychopaths are charming. So charming isn't really something that you should be trusting. Yeah. But they meet the guy and they've got this really strong gut response and they think this is it and they're telling all their friends on the phone and it can be really great. And then three months, you know, down the line, you know, he's checking their phone, you know, while they're asleep. So the gut itself, especially when meeting strangers, can be way off piece. Oh, and uh, yeah. I think oh, shocking. yeah shocking.
0: Yeah. Do you do you see the duty view of, of the human brain as sort of like a data collector that constantly needs the the hard drive upgraded?
1: 100%. And I think even with memory, you know, there's notion that your memory is sort of sacrosanct and you can absolutely, you know, that thing where you have an argument with someone and you say I 100% remember that I said that. I said it was Thursday. And they say I hundred percent remember it was Wednesday, you're totally wrong. So our memories we know are completely flawed. And every time you recall something, it's like a loosely folded a new one goes in. So the memory changes as you think of the memory as opposed to it being a pristine something that you can rely on. Yeah. And people to the extent that um People will say this happened in my childhood. You know, I remember standing outside and and, and watching the house burn down and then they find out it was their brother's memory. So, (laughs) right? It's just, yeah. And the the brain itself, intuition, I don't know if you're familiar with um, Thinking Fast and Slow, which is an excellent book. And um, he talks about the fact that your intuition is just a fancy word for memory. Yeah. So it's not your instinct, it's as you've gone through life, you've collected these memories and then so you meet someone and you go, oh, I've got a really bad feeling about this person, but it's just that your brain has pulled up the filing cabinet and he reminds you of a low geography teacher when you were in year <laughs> five. So, yeah. you know, this notion that we can rely on our brains is not right. We have to apply big, fat, you know, globs of critical thinking to the lot. And I think that there's just so much pseudoscience and spiritual guff being thrown at us. It's hard to work our way through what we should believe and what we shouldn't.
0: Is is that going to change with the next generation? You mentioned your daughter or, or, or with you waiting for the book, to arrive. Is that yes. going to change with with the next generation? Because their memories are going to be so much more valid than ours. Because theirs is theirs is on Instagram. theirs is on they, They've yeah. taken, they've <laughs> taken a photo of everything they've ever done in their life, whereas we don't have those photos for our generation. Oh. Is that going to change? Yeah, that? That, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting thing about
1: Instagram, isn't it? Because the Instagram life is, of course, a curated life as well, isn't it? Yeah. Right? They've got the picture of, you know, themselves looking, you know, thrilled, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> with their friends in Corfu. Were they really or had they just gotten over food poisoning and have they forgotten that? So <laughs> I don't know. But Both my children, I've got a 23-year-old and a 27-year-old, and they've both got science degrees, and I think that, Science degrees are good because they make you understand that um, we need to be highly analytical and the notion of critical thinking sort of follows the science route, which is this correct, is this valid, do I have to recheck this? So I think it depends on what you know, where they are, how educated they are. I'd like to think that the next generation is going to be more rational, but I really super worry about influences yeah. because the amount of rubbish that gets shoved Young people by clueless influences, especially um, the anti vax thing at the moment, is so dangerous. And yet, the amount of people I keep them on my Facebook feed so I can keep an eye on what's happening, and um, the amount of anti vax stuff pushed by clueless blonde women in their mid 20s with inflated lips and long eyelashes is just (laughs) really, (laughs) really. me! like, why would you listen
0: to her? She yeah. can barely move her face. This is just weird. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, never, never been shocked in a life, or at least we don't know because no parts of her body move that uh, would, would tell us that.
1: <laughs> no, right? I <laughs> know. <laughs>
0: the, uh, the enemy of decision making is time. If, if you had time, exactly. and, and it's a great excuse, oh, I didn't have time to think about that more. I just, I had to. How do you find more time before you make that decision? that is the wrong decision or is the slightly wrong decision
1: or is the completely wrong decision. Yeah, I mean, you're so right. Time is totally it. And there's this thing we talk about, which is weight, which is what am I thinking? I I don't know. The, The only thing I can say to people is that generally these decisions that we make are preceded by a strong feeling. And that's the other problem that our feelings have sort of been elevated as well. Of course, you must always acknowledge whatever it is you're feeling, but your feeling may not be accurate. So I suggest to people that you, they sort of start to calibrate their internal reality of having, now having a really strong feeling either in the positive or the negative, negative. Yeah. and then just stop everything. It's what our mothers used to say, right, which was count to 10, just stop everything okay, I've had a really strong feeling about this person or a really negative feeling about this person. I'm going to stop and I'm going to think and I'm going to evaluate my thinking before I make a decision. And the only way that you can do that, as you say, is by taking time. Because if you're in a highly reactive state, you're just going to be making terrible decisions left, right and center. Oh, and I would like to say at this point that if you get an intuitive response that you're in danger, If someone's offered to give you a lift home from a party or you're walking across a car park late at night or you're in a park and you get a bad feeling, 100%, you should respect that feeling and whatever it's telling you to do, do it because our unconscious is scanning the environment all the time and our conscious brain is not aware of it. So. It's very important I get that point across because I wouldn't want people to put themselves in danger because respecting that could actually save your life.
0: Yeah, breathe and, and take your time yep. and just. But we live take in your a, time. we now live in a uh, society where it almost demands an instant decision from you.
1: Well, yeah, I think we think it does. Yeah, exactly. But we're not. We're not talking about you know sitting there in the lotus position for an hour <laughs> while you. You know what I mean? While you contemplate. Your navel—it's just the matter, and I especially say this with women in meetings because there's all this this gendered environment where women are like, if I don't speak up in a meeting, then a male in the meeting is going to get there ahead of me.
2: Yep.
1: And I'm like, I totally get that, but a lot of that also depends, and I don't know if you know, I'm an actor by trade, so the notion of how you present yourself, status-wise. Um, can affect the person opposite you that's watching you. So I always say to them, stay super still, don't have a lot of excessive movement in your body, take a breath, and then speak slowly but firmly, but wait. Like even if you think you've got to cut across, it's an illusion. I don't really think you do. And I think in some ways, the, the, the quicker you come with that response, the more you sort of your status drops and you look more nervous mm. and more anxious. So taking your time. Staying really still. I um, mean, I talk about that in the book with um, the, the protagonist cat because she has a terrible time and she makes terrible decisions all the time. Oh, to And that's it. like true. Th- <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no, no, it's a shocker, isn't it? Yeah. But as she goes on, she learns to stop and wait and maybe listen to some voices in her environment. And that's the other thing we. We're in a bubble. We're in an internet bubble, but we're also in a friend bubble, people that just violently agree with everything. Find people that don't. Find people that look at things in a slightly different way and see what they think about it as well. I think that's another really important – that's a really important point because it's just so easy. It's sort of a delicious feeling, isn't it, to be with somebody – and they're constantly in agreement with you, but at the end of the day, you want people to challenge your perception of the way it's going.
0: I just wrote the word challenge down on the on the piece of paper I, oh, I have in get front of out. me because that's We're exactly in tune.
1: yeah. Well, that's exactly <laughs> what
0: what is missing from today's society. And I want to talk about the humour in the book because I think it's, it's hysterically funny. But the, what's missing from today's uh, sort of think uh, thinking process is the ability to have a conversation where you do disagree, and at the end of it, you go. Okay, I think we've made some progress here between the two of us. We don't do that anymore. We now go, well, your your opinion's the wrong opinion, and my opinion's the right opinion. I
1: know. I know. And that polarization of opinion just gets us absolutely nowhere because you just walk away going, I was right. You're an idiot. (laughs) You're wrong. But we need need to find some, you know, it's like the, I don't know, this whole you know, the whole business of what's going on with the lockdown and business and the vaccination. I mean, it's just so fraught that yep. if we can remain calm and listen, I mean, especially with vaccine hesitancy, it's very important that we can listen. Why do you feel that? What's going on for you? Can we talk about some of those perceived risks yep. without making the person feel like they're an idiot because then they just go back into their corner, right? Right. And they sit there with their coach, and they just defend, for the you know, they just prepare themselves for the next round. It's sort of pointless. Yeah, it
0: is. It absolutely is. The humour in the book is uh, is beautiful. It's it's a really beautifully written, uh, and and it's laugh out loud stuff.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: No, it really is the, the tiny, weeniest little things, like even putting the empties in the in the next door neighbour's bin, and yeah. little just the, those little nuances that uh, that are uh, scattered throughout the book. So it's a really lovely, uh, a thoughtful read, but also a very uh, you know a read that puts a smile on your face. Oh,
1: thank you. That was my that was my aim because things like. Um, you know, Dan O'Reilly or Daniel Kahneman, Thinking Fast and Slow, any of those books that I've consumed over the last 10 years, they're great, you know. But they're a little bit dry and they're a little bit male. And I thought maybe if I write something that's a little bit Bridget Jones, uh, maybe then women are more likely or men too are more likely to read it and have a laugh. And as we know, laughter reduces anxiety and then maybe they're more likely to hear the message. I didn't want people to feel lectured at because... It, you know that it's being a human being is difficult, isn't it? It's a it's a difficult fraught pr- process, and we all just want to be loved and have a nice relationship and have a really a good job and you know be stimulated and have a nice family. But getting there is, is difficult. Yeah. And I think if we take the wrong advice from the wrong people, then it's just going to make the whole thing more difficult. And I think we deserve to live a decent life and be respected and yeah have decent respectful people
2: around
0: us. Yeah. And the, what about that thing where we make bad decisions because it makes us feel good even though we know they're bad decisions. They make us feel mm. good at times and and there's that kind of oh well, I did that because I knew it would be good for you know Beryl and and Ethel over here they Beryl, <laughs> he, You know
1: what I mean? Right. And we know that the brain operates so there's there's present you right? Yeah. So there's present you and then there's future you. And unfortunately, present you doesn't care much about future you. <laughs> in fact, yeah, future you fires off in a part of the brain that's reserved for strangers. Isn't that so interesting? Oh, so, wow. yeah, so for instance, if I want to have um, the chocolate cake and the margarita, which may I say I did last night. <laughs> <Good> um, <it's, laughs> so Thank you. Thank you. You're, in, lo- you're in lockdown. I, I can am, tell. I'm in lockdown. <laughs> oh, I'm in lockdown 100%. <laughs> I'll I'll tell you in a minute about the second griddle I'm about to get. But anyway, you know, that that part of the brain is not thinking about you that's going to have to work that off at the gym the next day. So the notion of immediate gratification is problematic. And what they say is set the environment up so that it's more difficult for immediate you to not eat the cake, which is don't have the cake in the house. Don't have the cake. Don't have the chips. Try and keep the tequila at the back of the cupboard, so you're not constantly looking at it and thinking about making a margarita, <laughs> right? Yes. Just try and do that. Like set it's environmental because you're. It's very difficult for people to access future you, right? And think about future you when when present you just wants to go out with the person that's a narcissist but it feels nice at the time or have the cake or have the drink.
0: Why smart women make bad decisions and how critical thinking can protect them. Annie, it's a terrific book. It's a great little read and uh, congratulations on on having it published and uh, may there be many more uh, in the future. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. It's so nice to chat and thank you for having me on.
0: It is a terrific read and a very humorous read and a lighthearted read, but with some great messages in there as well. The book is called Why Smart Women Make Bad Decisions uh, and it's available all around the place now, so make sure you grab yourself a copy. And my thanks to Annie McCubbin, the author. I'm sure we'll hear a lot more of her uh, in the writing stakes in the future. Hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Authorised Podcast. My thanks to our podcast partners, cscg.com.au. That's the website to go to to find out all about them, all the services they offer, the people that you'll be dealing with, and they're great people. And uh, it'll remind you the telephone number is double nine They're always available for a chat, and they really are people who know what they're doing, and they'll certainly look after you. Uh, and we thank them for their support uh, for the Authorised Podcast. Until the next time, read a book. Might be the one uh, whose author I'm talking to on the next edition of this podcast. I'm Kevin Hillier. Take care of yourself.